Welcome to The Wealth Standard Radio, your gold standard in everything financial. Hello, everyone. This is Sean Fleming with you here today for uh, The Wealth Standard Radio. I'm excited to be here. I'm with uh, my uh, buddy and fellow producer here at Paradigm Life, Eric McGuire. Eric, say hi to everyone. Hello. I'm glad to be here. I'm excited. You know, we thought that uh, today, you know, Eric and I were willing to uh, to do this, but Patrick had the courage to just throw us into the fire, and uh, we're pretty excited about it. I'm excited to be with you here, and we're even more excited about the wealth standard and what we're bringing to you with uh, the strategies and the entire concept that uh, we're doing. We'd invite you to visit uh, thewealthstandard.com as well as our website. And this podcast is uh, coming to you every week at this time. So, Eric, why don't you and I start out with a little introduction? Uh, let the audience know a little bit about you and myself. And why don't you start that? Great. I'm Eric McGuire. And like you said, um, been in this business for several years. Love it because of the topic we're going to talk about today. But it really brings clarity to people's financial lives. I love helping people see new paradigm. I love that Patrick picked that word for this company, paradigm, where I can meet with a client that's uncertain about certain things and after showing principles and truth, get them a clear understanding of where they're going and, and what's available to them because a lot of people aren't aware of it. Right. So. I love it. Tell the audience a little bit about you and uh, how you came to Paradigm Life. A little bit about your background. Okay. Yeah, I'm um, 38 years old, so that gives it a little bit. Um, have five kids and my wife is pregnant with twins, so we're excited about that. So have a good-sized family. I love my family. Family is everything to me. And I got into this business. I've been an entrepreneur my entire life. I think the last job I got where I got a paycheck from someone else was in high school. And so I've always been an entrepreneur. And then I got introduced to this concept as a client on the client side from my brother that many people know, Les McGuire. And you know, it changed my life from what I was doing then as an entrepreneur. And then when he passed away in 2006, I could just see the value he provided and I wanted to get in on that and provide the same value that he did. So in 2006, that's when I kind of took up the cause and, and started doing this more from not as a client, but as an advisor and as a coach to people. So great. What was the reason for coming over here? The paradigm? Yeah. Um, when you're just Patrick mainly, I mean, obviously um, Patrick's awesome. And the, the truth that he seeks for and this, the system that he set up here at paradigm is just incredible with the support and also the continuing education and, and the focus not on sales, but on focus on really benefiting people's life and providing value, number one, education and, and really moving people forward. And Patrick and I went to lunch, not even really knowing, I knew, you know, what Patrick was doing and he didn't know as much what I was doing. And we just realized it was such a good fit that, you know, our, our values, everything that we we're doing was so aligned and, and it was just great. And Patrick invited me to come over and I, it's been great ever since. Well, it's been good to have you here. You know, your experience and your knowledge has definitely been a benefit for all of us here. And, uh, well, thank you. You know, it's fun to uh, brainstorm with you and, and bounce ideas off the wall. And that experience that you've got is, is tremendous. Yeah. I'm hoping that today's call goes as well as our, our conversations in our offices. Yeah. You get Eric and I together and, uh, we can get pretty deep sometimes. It's quick to go down the rabbit hole and it's a lot of fun and it's one of the reasons I enjoy spending time with you. Thanks. It's just the way you think. Well, give us some background on you. So um, my background is land development, commercial real estate, and did that, had a 20-year career in that. I actually sold my interest in my company the end of uh, 07. It was November of 07, and sort of faked retirement. I didn't really intend to retire, but it was kind of fun to say that I had and say that I, I could, um, but I never really believed in retirement. Because I did that then, because I went through the struggles that I did at that point in time, because the financial markets, as you know, just nope. took a beating after that, I learned a lot. And what I learned was that um, I never intend to retire. I always need to be producing. I had written a policy or had another agent write a policy on me the way that we do back in uh, 06 and had backdated that into 05 and it was a good sized policy and that policy saved me in the downturn of the market. Um, and I'll probably share more about that as we go on. I was working on a project in Texas at the time trying to um, rebuild and at that point in time I had met one of the other agents here in the office and he introduced me to Patrick. 
and I probably spent uh, all of 20 minutes with Patrick and knew that I wanted to be here, knew I wanted to be a part of what was going on, just simply because of the principled strategies that were taking place yep. and the opportunity to get in front of people and, and teach what we're teaching. That's good. I, I, what you said, too, reminded me of something that we both kind of have similar backgrounds in the real estate side. You're more commercial development and mine, or land development, and mine was more on the residential side. But we've talked about the value of why we like doing what we do. Because we realize there's a lot of money to be made in that realm, but we also have talked about the value we create with clients and how it's fun to see it because it's immediate right. for us here versus, you know, we're still creating value doing the other, but it's a little more, you don't see the family in the home or you don't see, you know, the project get completion all the time. So it's not as an immediate um, view of the reward of helping people. And that's I what I really like here is you can meet with people and within a few appointments, see their the words they use and the communication the hope they have just increase 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 and as they get you know more confidence and more certainty in their lives you can really feel that on a day-to-day -day basis and that, I, that's what i love doing this yeah it's tremendously rewarding so you had an idea you said why don't we just kind of uh, play on uh, the topic of fear and fear is one of those things that i think um, i actually heard somebody say it gets too much air time the other day and, mm. You know, at first I thought, what do they mean by that? And it may be true that that topic gets too much airtime. Yeah. But the reality is there's a tremendous amount of fear out there. Yeah. Especially nowadays with what we've gone through. And, you know, as we talk about this, one of the things I thought we could do is just spend a little bit of time talking about the dynamics of fear and Good. then relate that to our decisions that we make yeah. with our finances decisions that we make about our future and how that that affects us good yeah and i think what you're saying too we're and i agree that i think fear does get more too much airtime. and the approach we're going to take for those you know maybe listening saying no oh, no here we go again is we're not going to take the probably typical road that people have heard about when we bring up this subject we're going to debunk really fear is kind of today's call you know of talking addressing it you know facing it head on but not just wallowing in it or creating it. We're going to debunk it. Yeah. And if, you know, I'm going to get a little vulnerable uh, because I think that's one of the ways our audience can relate to us because I think we all experience fear. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's really, it's universal. All of us have gone through it. Even the most successful people have yeah. experienced fear at some point in their life. And you're going to f experience gonna, it again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I heard somebody quote Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods said, yeah. it's the day that I walk up to the first tee and I'm not nervous is the day I quit. You know, here's one of the best golfers in the world. Yeah. And he admits that he gets nervous right when he walks up to that, that tee, the first tee, every single time. What are your thoughts on that? I agree. I mean, I think, I, I think it goes to striving for excellence in, in his realm, the way he said it, because I've heard athletes say the same thing. Yeah. But there's also, to get in, keep in the sports paradigm, um, Peyton Manning, if you look at him, you know, I'm sure he gets jitters, but he's not fearful during the game. If you look at his face, he has confidence in what the preparation that he's put into it, and he he thrives on facing it. So what you're saying is they learn how to take that fear, harness it, and redirect it into power. Exactly. Instead of letting it paralyze them, and what you see sometimes from you know rookie quarterback or something like that, he goes out there and it, it, it's real. Probably it has to be. I mean, I they won't admit it probably, but right. it has to be real. Yeah. But instead of that, he thrives to perform through it. And knowing that gives me a lot of confidence when I deal with it myself. Because all of us do. We get the jitters, we get the nervousness. And the opportunity to turn that and redirect it is not something that's easy for most people. We all deal with fear completely different. Yeah. Some people get you know, super excited and wound up. Um, others, they freeze up. Some turn and run. Yeah. You know, if... I'm wired a little different. I don't know if it's because of my Irish, my Scottish ancestry, um, but if you jumped out of a dark alley at me, you know, in the middle of the night, I'm first going to jump. I'm going to be scared, yeah. but that rush of adrenaline that's going to go through my body is going to become your worst enemy, and I'm probably going to go Vitamix on you. Yeah. Somebody else. Same. You know, they might freeze. They lock up. And then another person might turn and completely run. Yeah. But it's all emotion. It's not, you know, it's not something that uh, they can easily think through. It's something that takes time. 
Chuck Yeager, one of the best pilots in history. He's the first man to break the sound barrier. He, he used to throw up all the time before his flights, and he used to get motion sickness. Mm. And here's one of the best pilots ever. You know, historically, yeah. Wouldn't that be incredible to be the first guy to break the sound barrier? Yeah. But in order to do that, he had to face his fears. He had to do what nobody else was willing to do. And that's kind of exciting to see. It's true. It's inspiring. What I'm excited about today, too, that we're going to get into is not only, I mean, obviously, we deal with money a lot, but we're talking about quality of life. And, and when you talk about what kind of drew me to Patrick is it wasn't just about money. It's about that. Wealth is not a money number on a piece of paper. Wealth is in a lifestyle. If you're not wealthy, living wealthy, you know, doing wealthy things in your mind, you know, a number doesn't make any difference right. to you. And, and I love that we're going to get into both, you know, because it may not be, and you're sitting, you know, the people listening, there may be people that fear is money driven, but other people may be health and other, maybe there's a lot of different things that, that fear can be controlling you and you may not even realize it. So let's break it down a little bit. Um, when we go through that emotion of fear, you know, where does that start? Um, I would think uncertainty is the way I would say it. When, when you're not knowledgeable about something or something's new to you, then that drives fear. So it starts with the thought, right? That thought is immediate. You don't even, it, it's not something you consciously are aware of. Yeah. And it develops. And it's a story that I uh, probably ought to hesitate telling, but it's a family friend. Uh, he's afraid of worms. Now, <laughs> I can't even comprehend being afraid yeah. of worms. But to him, this is the, this real. Yeah. And a bad day for him is a rainy day when the worms are crossing the sidewalk. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so real that you don't want to, you don't want to deal with it. You don't want to tease him. He'll go way out of his way to walk around that worm. Yeah. And, you know, if he's so afraid of that one thing, how does he overcome that? There's got to be a way to overcome it. Has he tried? He's hanging on to it. Yeah. He's hanging on to it like it's something special. Does he know when it started? When he was a child. He's had it for a long, long time. You know, that childhood experience at some point in time built a belief inside him that he needed to be afraid. Yeah. And a lot of times we face our, our financial decisions the same way. Our bills, maybe we avoid them. Um, the conversations that are difficult, we avoid those. Yeah. And it's all based on fear. And it's not real. We've, we've all heard people say that fear is, or an acronym for fear is false evidence appearing real. Yeah. It's not real. I'm sure there are things that are real. If somebody jumps out at me in a dark alley, that's real. And I need to acknowledge the fact that if I don't deal with it correctly, there could be a consequence. But our brains are wired to protect us. It's something that we need to, you know, but it's a primal instinct. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great instinct. I'm glad we have it. It protects us. For sure. Yeah. And one thing that I thought of when you talked about your friend that, like you said, you can't even re like relate to it. I mean, same, I, I'm not scared of worms, obviously, but I think the problem that a lot of people get into is because I'm not scared of worms or you're not scared of worms. When you talk to him, he seems crazy. It's like, why, you know, why, but our fears are real. His fears are crazy. Right. And we're all kind of that way that if it's something that we're scared of, then that's real. And other people's, you know, silly fears are, you know, why that's silly to them. But to every per single person, that his fear of worms is just like my greatest fear of, um, I don't know what, you know, a cobra snake or something. I don't know. Whatever, you know, it could be the same thing. If I went out and there's poisonous snakes all across my sidewalk, yeah, I'd probably have the same fear he does for the worms. And both fears are just as real. They're, they absolutely are. So another thought that I had was uh, Napoleon Hill. This is kind of a cliche at this point. Yep. But if our audience hasn't read the book, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, you need to. If your desire is to improve your, your wealth and your capital, there's just some brilliant thought processes that take place in, in that book. 
with the study and the research that he did. But one of those was on fear. And he identified the six ghosts of fear. You know what, what I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah. Do you remember what any of those were? Yeah. Um, it's kind of going back to what I was saying that they're not all money related. So I think poverty was one. Um, criticism. Yep. Um, fear of poverty, health. the fear of criticism, the fear of ill health. Yep. Fear of old age. Yeah. Fear of death. Yep. And love. Lost love. And lost love. But every one of those, when you look at it, it's a fear of some kind of loss. Yeah. You know, and it's interesting to think about it that way. So what does fear do to us? It halts us. It makes us stop. Yeah, it paralyzes. There's indecision. Um, we actually become somewhat neurotic. Or if you ever look at somebody that's really scared, they don't think clearly. Yeah. What a tragedy to not be able to think clearly when it comes to your finances. And so many of us experienced that with the downturn in the market years ago. And it created fear. It caused indecision. It halted our ability to, to move forward at times. But it didn't do that to everybody, did it? No. Some thrived. And even though the market was bad, there were good things going on. Yeah. Last week, Patrick talked about a book, um, The Death of Money. And I don't want to give that too much um, overplay or emphasis, but there was a lot of fear in that thought process. And does that help us? No. It doesn't help us at all. Yet, it's what the media uses. Um, it's all over in the news. Yeah. It's just fear, 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 fear. Yeah. And it's it's just interesting listening, you know, what is it, six, um, the six ghosts of fear. And, it, and we can relate pretty much everything to one of those. And our hope today is to break people out of those. Something's paralyzing you, probably. Like for me, probably thinking of my fears, probably my children, because they're still young. You know, I want to do a good job raising them. I want them to be healthy and happy. And, and the place I probably concern myself most is in is probably in that realm yeah. if i would be honest about it and but do i freeze up and not live life with my kids because of it or do i try to overcome it and teach them the principles that will have them thrive even though it may be awkward or, or a little uncomfortable to push them out into experiences that may be fearful for me as a parent but beneficial for them as a as a person i love it so napoleon hill when he wrote that uh, i remember one one quote that he said um Actually, it's something to the effect that fear causes us to bargain with life for a penny. Mm -hmm. yeah. What a tragedy yeah. to allow fear to cause us to bargain for something that lesser than what we're worth. So with the Well Standard, one of the things that's so exciting is we're not just teaching strategies. We're not just teaching sound strategies that are proven with numbers, but it's a thought process as well. Because we know that everything in the market out there is somewhat chaotic right now. Yep. It's uncertain. But in spite of uncertain times, and in spite of those things that we really ought to be conscious and careful of, there's really no reason to fear. No. Because it's not going to help us. Absolutely not. So what do you fear, Eric? One thing um, along those lines of, of fear, what's interesting is, because Les would talk about this a lot, that when you're fearful of something, you actually live in the worst case as if the real fear happened. So if you're scared of public speaking, you never speak. So right. that fear just won, really. And so, or your friend with worms, it controls him. He's living the worst case scenario every day of his life instead of, you know, kind of break it down unless we go into seminars and break down what's the cause of this and keep digging deeper until you realize, you know, something that you possibly can help you overcome it. Instead of living the fear every day, the more you get to know about it, the more you start to overcome it. Yeah. And if every rainy day was a bad day, that wouldn't be much fun. Yeah. And in the financial world, I guess this is where it comes in really prevalent. If you're, if your fear, which a lot of people in the market have, like right now, economy or the not the economy but the market's doing pretty well 
but they live in fear every single day because they know 2008 and you go back in history and they know that there's a day that it's going to go down. Yeah. And so even in the up days, they're living just like it's going to crash. And that's the fear I think that we overcome the best here at Paradigm Life is we get rid of the fear, you know, constantly within people that I know it's good today, but what's going to happen tomorrow? We eliminate that fear of tomorrow. Tomorrow's better. Every, you know, we, we put, put people in a position that after meeting with us, it just gets better and better and better. Beautiful. So what are you afraid of? Probably Let's like you real. said, probably the biggest one was just doing a job, raising my children. Yeah. You know, you know, having their, them be healthy and you know, just good, good kids and, and good adults as they grow up. I like that. There, what's coming to mind is this silly, and I'm sure a lot of our, our listeners that are older will remember this, but Disney did a little video. It was Winnie the Pooh, and the fear was heffalumps and woozles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are heffalumps and woozles? It's not even a real thing, yeah. right? And that's the way fear is. And if we have the ability to step back, take a breath, and realize that the things that we're fearing may not be real, yep. then we've got the ability to approach it completely different. Good. One, one, there's a couple of quotes that kind of spurred this thought on early on with us, and I'll, I'll just read them. Um, one was by Ralph Waldo Emerson, and it says, when you do the thing you fear, the death of fear is certain. And it's really powerful, and I think of my daughter, and I'll, I'll use her as an example, that she, um, it's my oldest daughter, she's six right now, about to turn seven and she a few years ago was deathly afraid of spiders and so if she saw a spider even across the room it was you can imagine screams and you know running and you know tears and everything and obviously i could see that that's not a healthy thing for her so i i knew which spiders here in utah are poisonous and which are not and so i started to educate her and i didn't do it all at once you know this you know it was a slow gradual process but i started trying to give her education about things and I'm not, I don't like spiders either, but I'm not scared of them like she was. So it took me overcoming a little bit of anxiety because I wouldn't go pick up a spider normally. <laughs> but I started to educate her and say, these are the spiders. This is what they look like. If you see these kind, run. But other ones, you know, there's a good purpose. And I, we talked about that. And then this summer, we were at Home Depot, um, or spring it was actually, buying some plants for our garden. And I saw a little tiny spider crawling down my arm. We had picked up some stuff. And she, it was just her and I in the in the store. And my initial reaction would be squish it or knock it off. And But then I, I kind of took a big breath and called her over and said, look. And got, brought her in close. And she, she could see that I wasn't getting rid of it and it's crawling down my arm. And I started pointing out the features of it and look at it and, you know, kind of admire what it was. And amazingly enough, she said, Dad, can I hold it? And so she put her finger out and it crawled on her and then she, you know, held it. And then when my wife came back um, with the kids, you know, they were, I think in the bathroom or something, she was showing all her brother and sisters, the spider on her hand. And it was just, it was awesome to see her go from deathly afraid a couple of years ago and over process of kind of um, eliminating that fear with her and educating her. She came to the point that she's actually holding spiders. And then I had to have the conversation with her that, you know, it's good you're brave, but it's probably not a good <laughs> idea to go around picking up spiders. Because then she started going looking for them and, and picking them up. But it was really, really, I was super proud of her that she went from something that was you know, a huge paralyzer for her to now is not. Yeah. Aristotle um, identified something called that he called the golden mean. And if you took a spectrum and the center of that spectrum was the virtue that was desired, Anything to the left would be negative, anything to the right being positive, but too much of any one was a bad thing. So your daughter, if she's too far on the left, there's cowardice. She's afraid, doesn't want to touch the spiders. If it's too far on the right, then all of a sudden it becomes this this irrational boldness and that too much courage can actually be dangerous for her. And just the right amount of courage is that virtue that we want. Yep. But it was, a, it was you know, probably one of those proud father moments when you realize that something that, because I just didn't want her to live, you know, 80, 90 years of her life, yeah. always scared of something to the degree that she sees it, screams, and runs out of the room. And so now, you know, she's at the point that it won't control her. And I, I love, 
love that. Oh, I've still got some of my family screaming at spiders. So <laughs> yeah. maybe I need to spend a little time on that. Well, she still has three younger sisters that scream well enough. So <laughs> they call her now to anytime they see a spider. I heard somebody say once that uh, fear was actually excitement without breath. Okay. Well, how would you say that? Like When we get scared, we stop breathing. Even if it's just our breathing rate goes okay. down. And it's interesting. We even do this with things that we wouldn't think about. That resistance, our, our actual breath goes down. Therefore, we don't have oxygen going to our brain and we don't think very well. And when we can't think, we can't make good decisions. Yep. So let's talk a little bit about um, how that really affects our decisions with money. Okay. Um, I asked you what you were afraid of, so I'll yeah. be yeah. a little vulnerable and tell you what I'm afraid of. I've never been a great swimmer, and I was asked to uh, do a triathlon once, mm. and I realized I didn't swim well. But the idea of water and me, you know, I've always had this little fear that I'm going to drown. Yeah. And I started swimming. I started swimming in the pool, and. I realized that I could swim a mile in in this you know controlled environment where nothing was going to go wrong and if I needed to I could grab the side of the pool or stand up but I have to admit when I get out in a lake and I'm swimming a long distance that fear is still there yeah it never has gone away I've become a good swimmer but it's still there yeah but I've just learned how to deal with it differently I've learned how to relax and breathe and a good example of fear and breath if I'm out there in the water and I stop breathing or I start tensing up what happens it makes it worse it makes it worse I sink yeah. I'm less buoyant but if I'm breathing my body's full of oxygen and I'm able to be a little more buoyant after I sold my interest in my company and the market took its downturn I was watching a lot of news I was spending a lot of time being concerned about the market and what was going on. And I didn't realize how much it was affecting me at the time. But all of that negativity, all of that bad news was becoming negative, just toxic to me. Yep. And it started to halt my ability to be smooth in my decision process. Those things that I had done well before, all of a sudden were a little bit kinked. I was not as quick to make decisions. Yep. I worried about what I had more. I was quite hesitant at times. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I can totally agree. I can see how that would be um, real. Because it's been, it, you're absolutely right. When, when you hit those things, then you carry stress. Especially Financial is probably the biggest one in health that you carry with you on a day-to-day -day basis without even realizing it. When you have fear in those areas... It's, it's constant. So if we've created economic certainty, if we've you know, built a moat around our castle and we know that our finances are taken care of, what peace of mind does that give us? It's everything in the financial world. I like to think that I'm able to perform better. I like to think that my decisions are going to be better because yeah. there's a little more certainty. It gives me the ability to take a little bit more risk at times when it's appropriate yep. because I know that the bases are taken care of. My brother would call it paradigm insurance, meaning it's insurance on the paradigm that's in your mind. You can be in an abundant paradigm with that. It, with that certainty, it gives you the ability to live like a producer, live abundant or abundantly with, with that confidence. I like that. So what are some examples of things that we do with our clients that give them that certainty? Yeah, this is kind of leading back to the beginning, talking about we're not going to introduce fear. And I think people that are poor salesmen or, or um, don't have a great product teach by fear. And that's one thing I love. We have um, two trainings every week with um, Patrick or someone in the office to, uh, leads those. So every week we're constantly going through training. And it's different on the outside world. The outside world is techniques of, you know, how to introduce different concepts to get people to do stuff. Here we're we're educating ourselves to be better advisors to people or better um, 
educators, really. We look at our role as an education role, not as a sales role. And I think poor people are people that are um, bad at sales use fear to motivate people to move forward. And if, and the callers on the that are listening in can relate. I don't know of a single agent in our here that uses fear. No. It's some, not part of our company dynamic. And I love that about Patrick, that he set up a system that we don't introduce fear to motivate. We introduce principles and education and technology to to get people to move forward, not fear. I like that you've identified that. The reality is those that are best at sales actually use fear too. You said bad, you know, those that are poor at yep. sales use fear. They do because it's a quick, easy go-to. And we've learned that human nature is going to make decisions based on emotion. Yeah. And in the sales process, it's emotion that makes the final decision. We tend to support our decisions with facts, but then the emotion is really where we're making that decision. Yeah. And those that sell in the market, those that are masters at it, over time have learned that human nature is motivated by fear. Yeah. So it's one of the most powerful sales techniques that can be employed. But at the end of the day, if somebody is selling to you that way, we want you to question it. It doesn't mean it's bad. It doesn't mean that what they have isn't right. Yeah. But the technique is a technique that we're not a fan of. Well, I think there's a difference between something fearful coming up in a conversation because that happens all the time. I think almost every client that we have has that experience where they realize, wow, life without this certainty or without the principles they're talking about could be fearful. So that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people that only thrive on fear. And, and a good one probably is kind of the um, prepper society. Yeah. The people that, you know, buy gold and silver guns and hide in the mountains. They're, even the people that sell to those guys are playing off of fear. That everything's going to crash. Everyone's going to turn against each other. And it's a, you know, dog eat dog world. So out of that fear, buy our product. And I hate when people sell that way. But there's a really, there's a difference between identifying where you're at, where you're wanting to go. And fear may come up as saying, hey, I'm truly worried about the future. That's a good, healthy fear because now you identified a problem you can work on. Kind of like my daughter with the spider, you have a starting point to improve versus like with her just saying spiders are, are evil and playing to her fear to get her to do what I want would be much worse. I could manip- I could have manipulated that in two different ways. I could have kept her always scared of spiders. So she's relying on me, her dad, to kill every spider she sees, knowing that great when she's a teenager, she's always going to be close to me when she sees a spider. Or I can free her of it. And I, I think that's more the role we have is we address things, we address concerns. Um, we don't skirt them for sure. And we try to educate people so they can overcome those fears, not play on them and increase them. Yeah, because we get more of what we focus on, don't we? Yeah. So if we're going to focus on the negative and we're going to focus on that prepper mentality, then it kind of halts our ability to progress and create greatness in our life. Yeah, and the, the, the prepping concept is great. I mean, you talked about how your policy got you through some rough times. Really, being prepared, having um, stability in your life is awesome. Having a you know six months of income that you could live on should something come down or you know, diversity, not having every egg in one basket. Those things are great, but taking it to the stream that you stop living life. And I think that's where, you know, if you watch um, TV shows about this, a lot of people that build bunkers in the mountains type of thing, they stop living life. And that may never, for an event that may never happen. And that's what the, is paralyzing. That's what's wrong. It's not to say, hey, I, you know, like I drive an hour to work every day. So I take certain preparations to be safe on my drive. I leave a little early so I don't have to drive as aggressively. I do things to be prepared, but not to the extreme that it changes my life. Yeah. And talk about when you're, I like that you're saying focusing, because you have a good story that we've talked about in the past about your um, soccer team that you coach. Oh, my girls. And and how you focus when you're focused on something that you're scared of. This is a really simple way to kind of, I think, to identify that. Yeah. So I first saw this when I realized they just kept kicking to the goalkeeper. Yeah. And these girls are good. But when they get up to that goal, there's all this pressure. The defenders are bearing down on them. And what happens in their heads? 
they start to fear. They start to get concerned about a mistake, doing something that's going to make them look silly. They don't want that. And they certainly don't want the goalie to stop that ball. Yeah. So what are they focused on? The goalie. They're focused on the goalie. And when they're kicking, they're they're kicking exactly where they focus. Yep. So we had an opportunity to teach them about peripheral vision and really focusing on what they want, not what they don't want. And in that opportunity to be right up there in the heat, they've got to have courage. And they've got to have the ability to focus on that spot where they want the ball to go. But they don't want everybody seeing them focusing on that spot. So they've got to be a little sly about it. You know, they've got to be able to watch the goalie, but then at the last minute, look at exactly what they want. Basically have their mind on where they want to go, but not their eyes. Exactly. Yeah. And we played a game last week, actually, tremendous amount of rain. They won't call the games for rain. They'll call the games on account of lightning. And this rain was pouring. It didn't let up till the last five minutes game. But in the first half, I noticed these girls were just kicking to the defenders. They hadn't done this before. The rain was throwing them off, taking them out of their game. And this opposing team that they were playing was big. And they were great defenders. And all of a sudden, my girls got caught up in that moment and the fear of what was going on. And pretty soon, all of our kicks were going right to the other team. And at the halftime, we had the opportunity to talk about that. And the encouragement was to stop focusing on the other team. Start focusing on each other. Be aware of each other. Be aware of your team. Your team's there to help you, to support you. And who loves playing in the rain? And they're all, we do. And the second half of the game completely shifted. Their focus was different. It was in the right place. And we scored two goals, two to zero. The irony of that game, Eric, was the girl that scored both of the goals had never scored before. That's awesome. So cute because her first one, she kicked it off one of the opposing players and it went into the goal. And when she came into the sideline, she's kind of giggly and she says, can that be my goal? It's the closest I'm ever going to (laughs) come. I said, it's not the closest. You've got many more goals ahead of you. And towards the end of that game, she broke away and scored the last goal. Awesome. And here's this girl who had never scored a goal. All of a sudden, her confidence goes through the roof. Yeah. And that fear that she had had was just dispersed. And previously, probably every shot she would take, she had that fear of and thought that she wouldn't make it. Oh, yeah. And now her, her paradigm is probably totally different, huh? She was quite timid before. She probably plans on scoring now when she shoots. Yeah, and now she's a tiger. And I've seen that happen with all of these girls as we've helped to develop that. One thing is you're talking about that that is a good parallel for what we do is a lot of the world's quote-unquote planners plan for rainy, or not rainy days, sunny days with no wind, you know, the, the perfect condition. They sit down and they identify some variables. The market's always going to do great. Taxes are going to be low. And they put this perfect um, plan together and then when people get into retirement or start living through the plan that a quote-unquote financial planner would put them through when the rain comes it does exactly the story you just said it throws them off they don't have plans for what to do they don't you know the uncertainty starts to come in and fear paralyzes them right and that's what i love about what we do is our the way we talk about wealth and talk about these things is not based on only perfect conditions we can it works great under perfect conditions and that's what we hope for. But you can also have the rainiest, most overcast day. It still works. You still can move forward. It's not based on just perfect conditions. Yeah. We're building foundations that are based on the economic certainty. Yep. And it doesn't throw you off because it, as soon as it ends in your mind, if you get in retirement and have a down year and lose a third of your portfolio, your life, the rest of your life is going to be miserable because you're always going to have the huge fear of running out. Well, a lot of people experience that. Yeah, it's real. It's very real. And it wasn't that long ago. Yeah. It was just a few years ago. And the market seems to have caused a lot of people to forget already. Yeah. They I think they forget 
up front, but deep down, I think it's still there. People don't still don't act as free as they would. Absolutely. Like when we first meet with people, the fear they have versus after when they see the certainty and guarantees that we provide, it, it makes the world a difference. That's exciting to watch. It, it's awesome to watch. It, you, if you don't see them, we can certainly hear the tears. And when you've got somebody that's been in fear and all of a sudden they realize that there's hope yeah. and they've got a strategy, just completely releases that pressure valve. Yeah. And there's so many people out there that have so much potential, so much ability. In later years, they've got the ability to contribute so much. But because maybe they're not in the situation they want to be, they're bound. Yep. And their progress is halted. And we want to change that. What, one thing we can't get through this conversation without talking about, though, is you um, going to the Tony Robbins seminar and walking crosswalk calls. Oh, you're funny. We, we, we can't leave that one. Because I don't... You talk about what what fear I have. I've never been presented with that opportunity, but I'm not sure I would do it. And you did it. So yeah. talk about that. How You can't tell me that you weren't nervous going up to it because I wouldn't believe you. I did do it. I'm not the only one that did it. There was a whole bunch of people did it, but two others were my son and my wife. And I have to admit, I went into that with a little of the boldness. I was a little too far on the right side of the spectrum. Yeah. For people that haven't heard, describe what, you know, paint a mental picture for him, what what it was. Yeah, so it's a fire walk. It's something that Tony Robbins does at his seminars. And what they do is they take these hot coals and they create a lane, which is a fire walk. And you walk across these hot coals. How long is it? It was about 18 feet. I mean, that's long. When it's hot coals, it's really long. Yeah. And he spends the day teaching you how you're going to do this. But most of it is just helping you shift your energy. Shift what's going on inside you and what's going on inside your brain. (laughs) And the fact that my wife did this blew my mind. She actually did it before me. And she was in a completely different lane. My son was right in front of me. And as soon as... We saw her do it. We looked at each other and there was then you knew you no had out. To. <laughs> <laughs> well, as soon as he was up to the lane, they stopped it. And Tony Robbins yells, hot coals. And the wheelbarrow comes up and they're dumping hot coals. <laughs> fresh on, ones. Fresh coals all over this lane. My son gets to walk across. First one across. And they're glowing, and they're hot, and we can feel the heat. Oh wow! And a moment of panic went through me, and all of a sudden, I went from being that one of the three of us that was confident and knew he could do it, to oh my gosh, what am I gonna do? And then my son just flew across it, like it was no big deal, and I had to center myself. And grab those things that I had been taught, take a breath, convert the fear, and walk across the coals. And how'd you feel after? It was unbelievable. I bet. Yeah. I can't imagine. It'd take, I think, at least a day to convince me to do it. Yeah. It was one Although of those if my wife went across first, I would, I would definitely do it. <laughs> That's what I said. But there was that second, that brief moment where I questioned. Yeah. And you can't. Because if you question... And then all of a sudden you forget what it is you need to do. You might do the wrong thing. Yep. And all you've got to do is get one of those coals stuck between your toes mm. and you can't get it out. You're going to have a miserable few days. Yeah. And I think this is a good point to talk about. Um, just be over because, over, sorry, to overcome fear doesn't mean I'm scared of snakes. I go grab a rattlesnake. There's stupidity in overcoming some fears. And I would almost question walking across coals. <laughs> in my mind still seems crazy, but, um, in the financial world, we're not saying, Oh, I'm nervous about the market. So I go jump in the market and right. invest everything. There's principles and concepts and strategies and paradigms you must understand. And as we educate ourselves, that's what gives us certainty. Certainty is what overcomes fear. You don't just say, I'm scared of heights. I jump off the empire state building. You know, it's, that's reckless and stupid. It's you know, we're talking about educating yourself, obtaining principles, true principles that will work no matter what, 
and align yourself with that. And when you do that, then you can walk across the coals with confidence. Yeah. It's proven that the brain functions better with certainty. Yeah. When there's surety and we know what's going on, we're going to make better decisions. Absolutely. So what you're saying is we don't want to teach our clients to go walk on hot coals without the skills. Without the skills. Like you said, I mean, even even his Tony Robbins seminar, it wasn't the first 10 minutes of being there. He right. prepared you for a day going through it. And that and, preparation and, was pretty intense. Yeah. Good example. And so, I mean, that's, you said what drew me to Patrick. It really was that, that in this world, I've, I've, we know a lot of people and we know advisors across the board and Patrick and the system he set up or the company he set up is very unique in the striving for truth. Other companies and trainings you go into, it's all about tricks and tactics to just get money out of people's pockets. That's and right. if you notice from us, we are, we're the happiest to say, if you're not comfortable with this, we're not moving forward. That's right. It's never about the sale. It's about the value we create. And if we don't feel like we're creating value often, I mean, I, it happens to me all the time and I'm sure it happens to everyone, all the advisors here. We will stop the process if it's not creating value and, and the client doesn't see it. Oh, yeah. If they don't understand or if there's any hesitation on their part, we want to make sure they understand the concept. Yeah, we'll slow it down and say, you must understand. Don't take our word for it. Let's make sure you are educated and understand. And I've, I love that attribute because yeah. it frees people in this realm of fear with their money. I love that. There was another quote that uh, I remember hearing. I think it was Plato. He said, we can easily forgive the child for being afraid of the dark. But the man that's afraid of the light is what we should concern. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the child has a reason to be afraid of the dark. Yeah. But being afraid of the light, that's a tragedy. Yeah. And what we're trying to do is just awaken people to a new possibility. Because what's sold the principles and strategies and tactics that so many people are caught up in is fear. Yep. And it's been sold for a long time. So we've got to shift that. Yep. And in shifting that thought process, it's hard for people. It's not easy to accept sometimes because it's not what they were told their entire life. Yep. What have we been told our entire lives? Put money into a qualified plan. And I'm sure you went through it when, like I did when I worked for a company. I sit you down. Here's what you're going to do. Here's the options that you have. And if it's not fear, there's all, there's this dynamic of everybody else is doing it. Yeah. And I'm going to be different if I don't do it. And yeah. one of the fears that Napoleon Hill identified was the fear of criticism. Yeah. We don't want to look different. Than everybody else we don't want to be willing to stand out on our own because that's a dangerous spot to be because everybody is they're gonna all see us yeah so we're kind of kicking against the rest of society in terms of how they do finances yeah. we're pushing against a tide that's a pretty solid strong current and we've got to be able to do that gracefully we've, be, we've got to be able to prove that it's real with numbers. Yeah. So the uh, article that you identified earlier, you emailed this to me last night. What did you want to say about that? Um, we kind of have the wishbone moment or, you know, kind of debunking um, financial thought that's out there. So we're going to talk about an article by, and, and it, what's interesting is I, had saved the link and you emailed me back saying it's not working. So I then had to Google the name of the article and I found it on Yahoo finance, MSN money, us news. So this article it got out the there. rounds. Yeah. A lot of people got an opportunity to read this article. And I think it's, um, you know, proper to, to give credit to the person who wrote it, wrote it. And there's, and I want to focus on that's not necessarily his error, but this is what the financial logic is of today. This is what people are telling you. And the title of the article is How to Deal with Retirement Catastrophe. And it's by David um, Ning. And it was um, written on July 2nd, 2014. And he goes through saying, 
Um, these plan B's to weather most any retirement obstacle. And what caught my attention is as I read through, this is the solution to typical financial planning. You drank the Kool-Aid for your whole life. Now you're retired. It's not going as they told you it would. Here's the solutions they provide. And as I read them, it was just, it cracked me up. <laughs> and I say that kind of tongue in cheek, but it's actually very sad because the people living this, I can't imagine what fear they're going through. Right. And the other thing I thought I had is even the person in this scenario, we can benefit. That's what's amazing is we may not be able to fix it like they were 20, but if you're 66 and it's not going the way that you thought it would, we have a strategies and education to get you through different uh, understandings. But anyway, I think it's really important to do what you just did and acknowledge the fact that if they're in this situation, it's real to them. Absolutely. And that invokes fear. For sure. And we don't want them to be there. And then I love that you brought that up because the five things they tell people, does that dispel the fear? And we'll go through them versus if you're going through any of this, call us, get get on an appointment with us because we can help. We can give you better solutions than the five we're about to read. So the first solution, um, he said, is you still have human capital. And he says, retirement doesn't have to be forever. Um, and then he basically in the paragraph goes on to say that you can go work again. So if retirement's not going how you liked, go back, Get back to, work. to work. Exactly. Go make more money. So is that a good solution? I mean, it's when a you, solution. When you started retiring, thinking you're going to travel and be with grandkids and do those things and be with your spouse and have fun, it's not working now. Just go back to work. That's, I mean, I mean, there's value in doing things that you love, but going back to work because you have to because your plan didn't work is not a good one. The second one is probably the funniest one to me. It says, tap wealth outside your portfolio. It says, being completely debt-free, including owning a paid-off home, is a worthy go for retirement. That means you'll always be able to downsize your house if you ever need to or and ever need more money to spend in retirement. So basically, a solution is move. Downsize. Yeah. Sell your house. So... So get back to work and go sell your house. Yeah. <laughs> Not everybody wants to do that. So, But Eric, they are solutions. Or are they not? Yeah. They're okay. just not the so he's, solution he's not, I would want. What he's saying is true. You could do that. Yeah. It's an option. It, but is it eliminating fear? You can't tell me that downsizing your house, packing up everything that you've, you know, all your precious items, moving into something half the size just because you need the money well isn't going to drive fear deeper into your mind. And then this, the third one is count on social security. So social security will be there for you, which is, is funny just even in the title. The fourth one, have a plan to cut back. You, you talk about this one because you, you got the <laughs> article in front of you too. Well, I, that one was sad because it basically just says, get thrifty, solve your problem by not spending as much money. You can go to the thrift store, you can buy clothes that are used, you can shop online, but get creative. Yeah. And sure, necessity is the mother of invention, right? We are inherently designed to get resourceful. When we need to, there's tremendous things we can do. Yeah. But that is a solution, it really isn't a solution. No. It's, it's not the ideal solution for sure. It's not so, the solution you were thinking of when you are 40 putting away a good portion of your income towards retirement. Now it's not working. You weren't planning on the retirement being living on generic foods and shopping at the thrift store. Yeah. But if I could get him some credit, he said how to deal with retirement catastrophe. So yeah. he's identifying that it's a retirement catastrophe. Yeah. The, and the frustration I have is they created the catastrophe though. By not planning. Yeah. And not putting in true principles and, and certainty. And then the last one is use innovations to cut costs and talks about now how you can get like you can lower your cable bill or cancel it and get um, TV shows streaming over the Internet, which is funny because that is true. You could eliminate your cable bill, but it also takes you subscribing to Internet, having a device to watch it on. There's a lot of technology actually increases the money you want in retirement, not decreasing. Right. Because of the things that will get cheaper, you know, smartphones didn't exist you know, 20 years ago. I mean, there's a lot of things that we have now and expenses we have now, cell phone bills, internet bills. Those didn't exist 20 years ago. And all of these things that he's suggesting, people know they can do that. 
Yeah. It's, they already know that if they need to, they can cut back their spending. They already know that if they need to, they can downsize the house. They already know that if they wanted to or they had the ability, they could go back and make income again. But that's not really creating a solution. Yeah, the person reading the title of the article, clicking on it, was hoping for different answers. So how did you see that as a wishbone moment? It's people wishing for a solution and not getting it. And as I read it, I thought, man, I wish whoever would click on this article would call us because we're going to give you ideas different than this. We're not going to take you from $50,000 retirement to a $2 million retirement. I mean, it is what it is, but we can certainly improve it. We can add guarantees to the income you have. We can stabilize things. There's a lot of real strategies, techniques, and principles that we can employ that will eliminate fear, build confidence, and give you a secure road going down the road. Well said. And, Hope and is not. I love it. Hope's not a strategy. No. But whatever the situation is, it is. And we yep. need to deal with that. We and need you, to be honest about it. And even on top of it, we can still take our principles in education, say we can raise a $50,000 income in retirement to 80000 And then if you have the eighty, and you could still even implement his five principles, you know, it's and it'd even be better. I mean, not better quality of life, but more money. Yes. I mean, it doesn't even, it, his just weren't, didn't seem like solutions. It seems like kind of cop-outs. The wishbone moment of the week. I've got another one for you, but I'm going to flip it. I'm going to flip it to a backbone moment. Okay. So a lot of us have probably already heard about what's going on in Hong Kong. Hong Kong yep. is having this Occupy Central movement that they're calling it. And really all they want is democratic elections in 2017. So all these people in Hong Kong are peacefully organizing and in the streets and facing down the government of China. It takes a tremendous amount of courage. Yeah. But it's important to them. And it's somewhat inspiring to me, one of the most Powerful principles is the principle of freedom. Yeah. And here's these people that are willing to stand in the face of danger, have courage, heart. It reminds me, the uh, Latin origin of courage, uh, core, C-O-R, means heart. Yeah. And our heart is really what um, gives the limbs on our body the ability to thrive, the pumping, that circulation, uh, that's life. Yeah. And when we see people that are courageous, it gives all of us the ability to step out and be a little bit more courageous. Yeah. I'll so, add to that story. To me, there's a big difference because we had like the Occupy Wall Street some time ago and you would ask those people what they're doing. They don't even know. To me, there's a difference between the two scenarios because one is oppression wanting freedom and they had a goal. This is what we want. And it's, you know, it's a worthy goal versus there's nothing to do, so we're just going to go create havoc for no reason. And I, I, yeah, I think there's a definite distinction between the two. These same. people are actually cleaning up their messes. Yeah, it was commented that they're picking up their garbage and it's peaceful and they yeah. want to do. They're not they destroying don't. property without a cause. That's right. Well, Eric, it's been to be with you. This That's was awesome. fun. Yeah, want to wrap this up just by inviting everyone to come visit paradigmlife.net. That's www.paradigmlife.net. .net, www.thewealthstandard.com. That's The Wealth Standard. You'll be able to listen to all of these podcasts on that. And then Patrick is doing the fourth of the series of The Wealth Standard live on October 23rd. So you've got an opportunity to come and um, participate in that. We're very excited about what we're doing, what we're going to be able to offer, offer our audience. And you get an opportunity to participate in that. Yeah. You give us your feedback and tell us what's important to you. That's yeah. I love that there's so many avenues for people to go to, to get good information that will build their confidence, build their educational knowledge and, and move forward. That's awesome. Let's wrap this up with a cheer for no more fear. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Eric, you've got to have some kind of beatbox move inside. I you. do not. Boom, boom. Our subscribers will go down tremendously if I even attempt something. So it's not that I'm scared of it. I'm scared of, of fearful of, the, of, of 
I'm mindful of other people not scared for doing it. We're going to help you overcome that. <laughs> All right, everyone. Have a wonderful week. And again, um, step into those things that you're afraid of. Yep. Thanks for joining us on The Wealth Standard Radio, your gold standard in everything financial. 